Hi, I'm Scott Hervey. Hi, I'm Josh Escovito. Welcome to another installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. So Scott, I understand today you're going to talk about a recent decision coming out of the Trademark Trial and Appeal Board involving a winemaker, Delicato Vineyards, and a hard cider maker from Virginia. As I understand it, Delicato Vineyards, which owns the trademark for Gnarly Head for wine, opposed the registration of Gnarled Orchard for hard cider. Before we get into the substance of the dispute, can you explain to our audience what an opposition proceeding is? Sure, Josh. Uh, an opposition is part of the process for registering a trademark in the United States. When an applicant files a trademark uh, with a United States Patent and Trademark Office, the application is first reviewed by a trademark examiner. These are attorneys who are employed at the USPTO and who review an application for compliance with trademark laws and regulations. If the examining attorney determines that the mark should not be registered, the examining attorney will issue what's called an office action. And an office action explains the substantive reasons for refusal and any technical deficiencies in the application. Once the office action is issued, the applicant has six months to respond. If the applicant is able to overcome any refusals, the examining attorney will approve the mark for publication in the official gazette, uh, which is a weekly publication by the I don't know why I made hand signs. It really is called the official <laughs> gazette. Anyways, it's, it's a weekly publication by the USPTO. After the mark is published in the official gazette, any third party who believes it may be damaged by the registration of the mark, it's usually based on a claim of likelihood of confusion, they may oppose the registration of that mark by filing an opposition proceeding with the TTAP. I, I gave you a little bit more information than you asked for, but I thought it was important to put it in there. And that's what happened here. Delicato Vineyards claim that the gnarled orchard mark for hard cider is confusingly similar to its registered mark for gnarly head for wine. And because TTAB decisions are appealed to the federal circuit at some point, the TTAB applies the DuPont factors, which are very similar to the Sleepcraft factors that we apply here in the Ninth Circuit. But Scott, isn't it true that the TTAB will not necessarily consider all of the factors? Right. Ver uh, varying weight may be assigned to each of the factors depending upon the evidence that's introduced. But m in most cases, the TTAB focuses mainly on the similarities of the mark and the similarities or relatedness of the services. Sure. And so I can see the concern over the use of gnarled, but wine and hard cider seem like different goods. Uh, how did the TTAB address that? In determining likelihood of confusion, the goods don't necessarily have to be the same. The analysis focuses on the relatedness of the goods. The TTAB has consistently found beer and wine and spirits related goods for the purpose of determining likelihood of confusion. The TTAB has found support for this uh, position based on third-party evidence showing manufacturers uh, produce various types of alcoholic beverages under a single mark. In various cases, the TTAB found persuasive websites that showed breweries were also selling wine. In other cases, the TTAB uh, cited examples of wineries also engaged in the sale of spirits. And uh, in another case, the TTAB found persuasive third-party evidence showing various entities registered a single mark for both wine and beer. Um, the TTAB also finds that alcoholic beverages are sold in the same channels of trade. 
such as liquor stores, restaurants, grocery stores, which means that consumers will encounter multiple types of alcoholic beverages in these same stores or facilities. And the TCAB also commonly finds that consumers purchase alcohol without exercising a great deal of care. And so that's what the TTAB did here. It looked at the evidence submitted by Delicato in support of the, their argument that wine and hard cider are related. And it took, it, the, the TTAB had to look no further than the applicant's own website and the applicant's deposition testimony. Um, the applicant, who happens to be the owner of Valley View Farm, is also the majority owner of Philip Carr Winery or Philip Carter Winery. The applicant had placed an advertisement on its farm website announcing its partnership with Philip Carter Winery to open a wine and hard cider tasting room and advertises hard cider and wine together as craft beverages. Further, at the applicant's uh, deposition, he testified that both wine and hard cider are served at Valley View Farms and that people drink both wine and hard cider at the farm. So the TTAB found, and rightly so, given the evidence introduced, that the applicant sale of wine and hard cider establishes the existence of circumstances surrounding their marketing that could give rise to the mistaken belief that they emanate from the same source, especially as in this case where the applicant sold these products under similar marks. Is there anything the applicant could have done to get its mark registered? Well... I mean, aside from making sure that it wasn't like blatantly linking them together on its own website, um, which, you know, like, you know, bad move number one. Uh, but, you know, the applicant argued that in, it intended to only market the hard cider to beer drinkers and not wine drinkers. How, however, the TTAP has long considered beer and wine related goods for the purposes of likelihood of confusion. So that really didn't work. So there seems to be a takeaway from the first point that you made just a moment ago, Scott, about how the applicant listed both wine and cider on its website. Well, the applicant argued that intent that it intended only to market its hard cider to beer drinkers and not wine drinkers. However, the TTAB law has long considered beer and wine related goods for the purposes of likelihood of confusion. So that didn't work. You know, the applicant could have been able to avoid a finding of likelihood of confusion by restricting the channels of trade to just the farm and the winery. Uh, and in, um, in testimony, the applicant argued that that would in fact be the case. However, any restrictions on channels of trade have to be reflected in the application and that didn't happen here. The applicant had an unrestricted registration and an unrestricted registration is entitled uh, or the owner of an unrestricted registration is entitled to change its current channels of trade at any time. Well, Scott, it seems that the applicant's website actually lists wine and cider. How does that, how does that play into this? Well, that's what the TTAB relied upon, essentially, in um, denying the applicant's registration and in um, finding for Delicato here. Uh, so, you know, a good takeaway could be make sure that you don't list the conflicting goods on your own website to begin with, because uh, that certainly did seal the applicant's fate in this, um, you know, in this case. I think, you know, one of the better takeaways here is, you know, let's start back at the process before they, the applicant even filed the registration. 
you know, I don't know what they did, but, you know, making sure that you do a very thorough trademark search and having a clear understanding of what the USPTO considers to be related goods would help. I mean, I could see maybe the, the trademark attorney who, if they did do a search, telling the applicant, well, you may or you may not have a problem with um, gnarled and gnarly head. I mean, obviously it got through the examination phase. Uh, the examiner didn't refuse registration. This was an opposition. So, you know, the if the trademark attorney did in fact give that um, suggestion or advice to the applicant, they, they, they weren't wrong. That's helpful insight, Scott. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Josh. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this installment of the briefing by the IP Law Blog. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, visit our YouTube channel, don't forget to subscribe to that as well, and check out our website at theiplawblog.com. Thanks.